0: Um, let's open up in prayer, and then we'll get uh, we'll get right to it. Lord, I thank you again. Um, we are an undeserving people that have been given mercy and grace in ways that are unspeakable. Lord, when I just think of my life and 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 where I could have been if not for your love and your mercy, Lord, it is very humbling. Uh, to see what You have freed me from. And I know that I am not the only one. Um, I just thank You for that. As as we are now uh, waist deep in the Gospel that Romans is pouring out to us, I, I pray that that our hearts would be, uh, by this Gospel, being prepared. Uh, that our minds would be being sharpened by the truth that Your Word is is teaching us in such a way that we would be made bold. Lord, we are living in uh, a time in the history of our nation uh, where uh, the cowards will soon flee. Lord, and I pray that knowing that You are sovereign and that Your hand is in control of all things, I pray hoping and, uh, Lord, knowing that You have been already preparing us as a body of believers uh, for what is to come. Uh, And I thank you uh, for your word. Um, I thank you that our hope does not lie in what freedoms are like thereof that we have in this world, but that we stand free, completely free from the sin that bound us once to live lives boldly poured out for you, even if it means laying down our lives for your glory. Lord, I pray that you would raise up a people here uh, and send us out into the world. I pray that um, that each and every brother and sister uh, that has come here tonight to hear your word, uh, that your Holy Spirit would be moving in their hearts, uh, that the gospel that has been taught here um, would take deep root in them, Lord, now as we pass and we are passing into this section of text concerning sanctification, as we now get to where we as believers are, this point that we as believers are currently now walking through, I pray that you would uh, help me as I uh, preach this text, that you would help me to speak it clearly. Lord, that I would speak it in such a way that that, uh, Your children would uh, be solidified firmly in the truth of what is taking place in them now. Lord, that they would understand because, man, I get it, Lord. I get how oftentimes I myself find myself wrestling and struggling with these same things in my life. I pray that You would uh, give them promises in Your Word tonight that they could hold tightly to in the struggle, in the war, in the battles from day to day. uh, That You would pour out truth and that Your Holy Spirit in the week to come, in the months to come would bring to remembrance the word that you speak, uh, that it would bring life and that it would solidify and firmly fix them uh, in the paths that you are leading them down so that we would be a people that, that that though we receive and that we are nourished here within these walls, that we do not keep it in here. And I pray that your holy Holy Spirit would move in such a way among us that we would be Unable to keep it bottled up, but that it would explode out into our workplaces, that it would explode out into our families, that it would explode out into every aspect of our lives, Lord. That that you would no longer be number one on our list, Lord, but that each and every item on our list would be written in Your ink, in Your pen, that You would be the paper, that You would be the pen, that You would be the idea in every single aspect of our lives, that You would be the goal, that You would be the mark, that You would be that thing that we chase after and that we hope for. As we dig now into Your Word, I pray that You would ready us. I pray that You would prepare us. And I pray that You would, Lord, speak through me that it would not be my words. but Yours? It's in Christ's name for His glory. Amen. Alright, so we're going to be in chapter 6 of the book of Romans. The new text that we're going to be covering tonight is going to be verse 8 through verse 14. So we've got seven short verses to cover. Um, very quickly, for those that might be new, um, hopefully you're not new to the gospel, but if you are, what we've covered thus far in Romans is the problem that's needing to be covered. And that's sin. And we find that all are under sin. And that the knowledge of the law is not powerful enough to set us free from sin. And in fact, it's weak because our flesh is weak. Um, So God did what the law could not do. He sent His Son. And our faith in Christ makes us justified before Him. So when we place our faith in the work of Christ, we are set firmly fixed in the grace that God has given us. And as Christians, we live out the rest of our days firmly founded, firmly fixed in the grace of God, being carried forward by His Holy Spirit into this idea that we're going to call sanctification. So for you as believers tonight, which... Most of you that come, I count you as believers, Um, y'all are the few that will come and listen to somebody preach for like literally an hour straight, so I I, I think probably most of y'all are saved, so when we dig into this text tonight, this text is for you, right? Right? Up to this point, we've been dealing with things that have happened to you that you probably know very familiar or you're very familiar with. You know what sin is and you know as a believer that you've been made right before God. You've been justified. Now we're at a point to where each and every one of you as believers, I know for a fact that you are here. That this is going on with you. So I would ask as I, as I dig into this text, as we dig in through chapter six, all the way through chapter eight, eventually, that y'all would be in continual prayer for me, that I would make clear this truth. Because I want you to be, I want you to go out from here knowing what is taking place in you as believers. Because something very miraculous is taking place in you. Last week I mentioned that, that the life of a believer is a supernatural life. We dug in last week in the first uh, seven verses of chapter 6, and we're just going to read those for the sake of getting us back, because really last week I had to chop the message in half to try to split this, what would have probably been a two-hour message, into two one-hour messages. So... Um, Let's just start back in chapter six, verse one, and, and dig in, and, and we'll just kind of press through. So, chapter six, verse one. What shall we say then? Are we th- to continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul answers, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? So, we've been covering this idea that as Christians, having placed our faith in Christ, that we have died to sin. So, Something that you should just practically be thinking about and considering for you is how can you follow in or continue in the patterns of life that you were living in before Christ if you are in fact a believer? And the answer to that is you cannot, right? He said by no means. How can? How can we who died to sin still live in it? You can't still continue in the patterns and practices of life that you lived prior to Christ now as a confessed believer. And this is not, okay? Here's the thing that I want to continue to push out for you again and again. This is not because you yourself will overcome, right? I can tell you that you will not continue in the patterns and practices of the life that you once lived because I know who it is that empowers you to live the Christian life, right? See, if it were in fact you who were responsible for living that perfect Christian life, you would fail in all regards, but as Christians, you have been raised to new life just as, let's look at the text, just as, right? So, uh, chapter six, let's continue on. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in what? newness of life. And last week we flipped back over to the introduction that Paul gives in chapter one, verse four, to look at this just as. So how was Christ raised? Was he raised and it was some like not so miraculous way? No, He was raised, and He was raised in a powerful way. And just as Christ was raised, we too are raised to new life. So verse 4, chapter 1, and was declared, this resurrection, was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness, the Holy Spirit, by His resurrection from the dead. So we too, just as Christ was raised, have been raised to new life, By the Holy Spirit. So I can tell you, as a believer, your patterns and practices in this world will change. They will change. How? By you? No. By who? God. Right? So I want you to follow me here. If God is in you... If the Holy Spirit is in fact in you, you will live new lives. Flip over to chapter 8, right? You can flip over to where we're headed here, and you can see that these things that I'm telling you now, we're just going to be building up to these truths, building up to these truths so that you will know this to be true. So what I want you to take away, one major thing that I want you to take away as believers, is that your life is changing. Right. It was changed forever the day that you placed your faith in Christ. And it is continuing to change. You are being pressed forward. Sometimes willingly. Sometimes kicking and screaming. But He is pressing you forward to the goal for which He rescued you. And that goal is ultimately His own glory. And He's big on His own glory. He's not going to fail in this. So, this, a lot of this is review, but it's continuing on tonight. I want us to, to kind of get back in this frame of mind that we left off with last week. Verse 5, so this idea of newness of life. Believers, you live in newness of life. I want you to get this, that your life is new. You were raised to life. So these ideas of dying to old self, being raised into a new kind of living, this should be the mindset that we place and that we look to when we're thinking about what should our lives look like. It should look new. Get that? The the wording that we find spoken of here about the Christian life is new life, newness of life, raised to life, dead to old, raised. I'll say it dead to old. How many times dead to old? Right? Dead to the old ways, raised to life. When you're dead, what happens? You stay dead. Right? You stay dead. Dead people don't tend to come back. So, if you, as a believer, died and now live, what does that mean? The life in which you live was not your own. Right? And this is, again, this idea of being raised to life by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So, as we, as we kind of dig into this idea, some may feel uncomfortable, right? You may feel like, I don't know that my life looks like that, right? Right? Like, like as I'm preparing for this, one of the things that I'm trying to, to deal with that I'm trying to manage is how do I not step on and crush the person who is truly a believer but needs just that little push so that the Holy Spirit just starts working and taking them somewhere else? And how do I not tread the line to where the one who might in fact not be a true believer continues on thinking that they're alright and good? Right? So, I don't want to crush you Right? I don't want to press into where you're like, man, I must not be saved. Right? But here's one thing that I want to push at you, right? And we kind of covered this a little bit in class tonight as you dig through the book of James that faith without works is dead. Right? The book of Romans does not preach to you a faith that is not accompanied by works. Okay? Faith alone saves you. We've covered that. Right? We've covered that. Faith alone, in the finished work of Christ alone, given to us by God's grace alone, saves you. But faith is never alone. Because your new life is a Holy Spirit-filled life. I want us to get this. Right? That faith is accompanied by something. It's accompanied by life. Right? How do we know that trees are alive? How do we know? They look alive, right? You can tell the difference between a dead tree and a live tree by the fruit that it bears. Right? So we too, as believers, as Christians, looking at our lives, if we are honest, can tell whether or not our faith is alive. Right? So if you are here tonight and you are one whose faith is alive, but it's not grown as much as you would like it to, I want you to know that you should repent. Your work, your job as a believer is not to step forward and do it yourself. Right? Salvation, let's go back to the very beginning of the book, chapter 1, verse 16-17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Not the power of God accompanied by the work of men. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's continue on in the text. For if we have been united with Him, this is verse 5. For if we have been united with Him in death, in a death like His, we will... we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. This is, we talked about last week, and we're going to start off verse 8 with this same idea. So I want us to to get this. This is, in verse 5, a hope that we as believers look forward to, that helps hold us fixed firmly in the grace of God, right? So I want us to look at this, because this is a promise. There's going to be two promises. One that we're going to look at in verse 8. One that we're going to look at in verse 17. The one in verse 8 is really a continuation of what we're looking at here in verse 5. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Is there question? Is there question as to what your end will be, believer? Is there question to what your hope is in? Shall certainly be united with him. In what? In resurrection, right? In resurrection, new life is yours. Right? New life is yours. And freedom from the very presence of sin is promised to you in the resurrection. We've been talking a lot about freedom today. Brother Kip spoke on freedom this morning. It was this beautiful idea of freedom. So, you as believers walk in freedom. And we're going to dig into this more as we dig into uh, this idea of sanctification throughout the text here. You as believers walk in freedom and hope for freedom. I want you all to follow me there. You walk in freedom, right? It's already, and yet not quite yet. Right? So we walk in freedom, but the presence of sin is still all around us. Even within us, we find ourselves struggling with sin, yet you are free. I want you to get this. You are free. We're going to find the text continually tells us this. As believers, we are free, but the presence of sin is still there, and it still nags at us in a very real way. We still struggle, we still wrestle, we still wage war as believers. But there is a hope that we stand in that one day we'll be able to lay those arms down, never to war with sin again. That is the resurrection that we look forward 2. To be united with Christ, as Christ was raised, so too each and every one of us who have placed our faith in Him will be raised again on that day. We know, verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. The body of sin brought to what? Nothing. You are free. I want you to get this. The body of sin. You've been united, brought into the crucifixion of Christ. Right? Our old self crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You are there now. I want you to get this. You are really there now. Right? Do we understand that? I think that we have possibly grown weary in this tiring wrestle with sin and we forget that we are the victors, not the enslaved. I want y'all to I want you to come out of tonight's message knowing that you are free from sin. I want you to be refreshed. So that you go out waging war against sin. Because the sin that we wage war against has not got you enslaved, but it's got much of the world enslaved. So you wage war against that. For souls, you wage war. For souls. We're not here to fill pews. You're here to grow so that you go out and fulfill the mission for which you've been left here. So we know that our old sinful selves have been crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with Him. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. This is another promise that ties back with verse 5 there. For if we have died with Christ, I want you to know as believers that you have died with Christ. That what Christ did on the cross was you, and it was to justify you before God, and it was to free you from the sin that many of you may think that you are enslaved by, but I want to let you know that you are not slaves, believers. You are not slaves to sin. I want to say it a hundred times if I have to, because I think some of you may think that you are. And I say it a hundred times to me because sometimes I feel like I still am. Right? But I want you to know that the truth of what Scripture tells us is that as believers, we have been set free from sin. We have been set free from sin. Now, if we have died, and this death that we've partaken in with Christ is closely tied to that freedom that we have, we believe that we will also live with Him. Have you died with Christ, right? Part of this idea of faith that we've been digging out that you want to know, like faith is one of those things that it can be so simple sometimes, but really sometimes I think it's it's difficult for us to, to grasp at or, or to hold to. I want you to get that when you've placed your faith in Christ, that you've been placed in the grave with Him. Dead. And raised up with Him. That your faith Faith, because of the grace of God and His mind in setting about salvation for those that He's loved for eternity, that His way of doing that is in the cross and making you partakers in what has taken place at the cross. Right? So as believers, that's where we are and our life revolves around what has taken place there. Dead with Christ, raised with Christ. Right, And I want us to get in our minds, I'll say it a 100,000 times, that you have been raised with Christ in newness of life. And you did not raise yourself, but the Holy Spirit raised you from death to life. That's the work that's taking place in us. Let's press on here in the text. Verse 9. We know that Christ being raised from the dead, will never die again. Now I want us... We're gonna we're gonna see some parallels go on in the text here. We're gonna see this idea that's kind of laid out about Christ and what's taking place with Christ, and then we're gonna see we're gonna see where it talks about in verse eleven that so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Uh, well, let's go ahead and read verse eleven, and then we'll go back and work our way to verse eleven because what we're gonna see, I want us to to work out in our minds the parallel that's going on um, that's leading us to what verse eleven says. So. so that it's in our minds already. Go ahead and go chapter 6 verse 11. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God how? In Christ, right? So so follow me here. If there was a title that I was going to put over this message, it would be alive in Christ, right? Alive in Christ. Believers, you are alive In Christ. Right? Say it again. You as believers are alive in Christ. You were justified through the work of Christ. And now your life is lived out where? In Christ. In Christ. Now you want some practical application? How as Christians can we work this thing out? How do we work this salvation out in our lives Stay in Christ. Remain in Christ. In your thoughts, in your habits, in the practices that you put in place in your life, let it revolve around Christ. You are alive in Christ. right? You are alive in Christ. You were dead in your trespasses, thinking that you were alive. But now you truly have life. You have life in Christ. So, lest you think that you're going to go out and you're going to live your life on your own, doing your own thing, living your life for your own purposes, you are alive in Christ. You find your life as a believer where? In Christ. Let everything that you think about about your life be fixed there. You stand in Christ. You live and are alive in Christ. So let's look at how this plays out. Let's go back up to verse 9. We know, this is, a, this is something that we know, right? So I want us to, to kind of see that as we're digging into this text, that this is not something that we question, or that we think about, or maybe we'll discuss it, but we know, right? We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Now I want us to see some things that come forth out of that text. What does that mean about the life that He lived before? He's not going back to that other way of living. right? He will not die again. He's not going down, passing back through, and coming into a state of being to where He could be nailed to a cross and die. Christ lives in a new resurrected state never to die again. Right? Never to die again. Christ was raised bodily, right? He had a physical body, but it was new in some amazing ways. And Christ will never die again. Once he died for sin. Right? Once he died for sin. Understand this because this means that what he's done, he's finished. I've said this multiple times throughout this study, that the work that Christ has done is a complete work. That there's nothing that needs to be added to it. That He's not going to go back and then amend what He did. Let me me do an amendment. Part A, part B, part C. No, the work that Christ has done is complete, right? We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. death no longer has dominion over Him. All Alright? Now I want us to think about death because we're going to see death being tied to sin. And sin's dominion over you being tied to the death that Christ died. Now being alive, raised to life in power of the Holy Spirit, never to die again. This death, no longer having dominion over Him. Death, why? I want us to think about why death? Go back to the beginning. Why death? Why is there death? Why do we die? Sin. Christ died once to sin. Sin. Right? Having been raised, death has no dominion now over him, is what we find the text saying. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Right? Death will never gain again a foothold for the believer. Right? The victory is won. Right? The work is completed. I want you to get this as you as you think about the way that you live out your life, as though that you may do something. Uh oh! Now I've undone it. Now I've undone it. Now he's going to he's going to have to go back and redo something, right? Christ will never die again. Death has no dominion over him. Let's continue on. Ten for death for the death he died. He died to what? He died it to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now I want us to think about this. Because the newness of life that we have been raised in, we've been raised in that same way, right? He's been raised so that He brings glory to God. You likewise, the purpose of your life as a believer, I want us to get this. I want us to understand this. As we went through the book of Ecclesiastes, as we looked at how vain this world and purposes placed and fixed in this world can be, the whole purpose was for that was so that you would fix your eyes on something higher and greater. Right, Nothing that this world has to offer you is lasting and it will never be fulfilling. The only thing, listen to me believer, listen. The only thing worth living for in this life is the glory of God. I want you to know this to be true. Right? Know this to be true. That in everything you do, you should be doing it for what? The glory of God. As as Christians, as those who profess the name of Christ, if there is anything in our lives that we are doing that is not God-glorifying in its end, repent of it. All that you do, whether you eat or eat, Or drink, or whether you hang out with your friends, or whether you go to work, whatever you do, you do it for one end. The glorification of the only one who deserves glory. This is the purpose of the Christian life. And if you as a believer, hear me, hear me, hear, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be hard with you. If you as a believer find that to be something not worth chasing after, repent. Because you're lost. I want you to hear me in this. If you think chasing after God's glory is something lesser than chasing after your own fame, if you think it's something lesser than making as much money as you can make in this world, then you, my friend, are likely lost. Because the highest of goods is going to be found in the glory of God. God made you for this end. Eternity will be living in all that you do for the glory of God. And it will in no way be lesser. It will in no way be boring. It will in no way need something added to it so that you can find pleasure. You were made to find pleasure in giving glory to God. You were made for that. And that is the reason that when you try to find pleasure in lesser things, that you continue to have to pour it into your life because it's not worth anything. It is vanity of vanities in the end. I want you to get that. That all that we do All that we do, just as Christ right here, just as Christ, let's go back and let's read this text again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin. Once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. So you as Christians, what should you be doing? What should your lives be about? The glory of God. God. You are living to God. in all that you do, In all that you do, believers, do it for His glory. Verse 11, So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin. So this verse 11, which we'd already read, this is tying back in to what He's just said before about Christ being dead. Death having no longer having dominion over Him. Him having died to sin. This death that He died, this once that He died for all for sin was to set you free so that sin would no longer have dominion over you as a believer. You are free from sin. Get this, that you are not enslaved to it. And we're going to see here in a second what that means in the way that we live out our lives in the mortification of the flesh, right? That's, the, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the struggle that we have with sin. We are mortifying the flesh. Putting this flesh that we're still in to death until we find our life finally completed in the resurrection, right? That's the ultimate hope that we as Christians push forward in. That's why I say that that promise mentioned in, in verse 5 and then also kind of reiterated in verse 8 there, is to help us walk firmly in this, knowing that that though we may struggle, though we may fight, that certainly we will be united. Certainly there will come a day when this is gone. That this war that we're waging uh, with sin now is not one that will go on for eternity. Um, But now we know that we've also been set free. So there is this already and not quite yet that's taking place in the believer's life as we press forward towards Holiness. So, verse eleven again. So, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to, I want you to get, man. I, I hope that I don't fail you in presenting the importance of where you are and where you stand as a believer. Right? That you are not dead in sin, but that you are alive in. Christ, I want you to wrap your minds around what it means for you to be alive. When you are in the midst of battle, right? When you are putting to death the sin that still remains, that's still present in our lives and in the world, when you're waging war against that, know that you wage war from a position of dominance and not from a position of slavery, Right? You do not wage war as though you are waging to be free. Right? Freedom has been secured for you in the work of Christ. Right? Freedom is is yours already. Verse 12. So we can say things like this. I want you to look at the wording, the way that he says what he says here. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign. Do you get the difference? And I don't think that we do because I think a lot of times as believers we believe that we live in much the same state after we're saved as before we're saved. Except now we don't have to go to hell for it. right? But I want you to get that as a believer your state is changed. You were before. Now all of you felt free before. All of you felt very free Before you came to Christ. But you were not free. You were in no way free. You were slaves of sin. You could not do what was good before God. You didn't desire it. Right? We've covered that. That's the problem that we found ourselves in. Is that prior to God intervening, prior to the gospel being preached, prior to you placing your faith in Christ, you were enslaved to sin, but you are no longer slaves to sin. Before, when your slave master said, you sinned here, what did you do? You sinned. Because you were sinners. Now you've been set free. Now he can tell you this. Let not sin therefore reign. If sin is reigning in your life, it is not because you are a slave to it. It's because you've given yourself over to it. Let not, believer, hear me. Let God's Word preach to you. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Before, what your passions said you did because you were a sinner. Enslaved to sin. Now, you can resist sin. You can resist Satan. Right? You can resist temptation. Because you're not enslaved to it. So when you, practical, when you go out this week in your lives and you find yourself tempted, you find yourself tempted, do this, resist. You are alive in Christ Christ. Resist. When sin comes, and you know when it comes. Before you just acted it out, but now you know the Holy Spirit working in you in power opens your mind to it now to see it in ways that you could not see it before. So now when you see it, resist. Resist. And the next day, resist. And the next day, resist. And the next day, Resist, and you say to me, Landon, I don't know that I can make it my whole life. Resist, and I don't, man, I don't. You don't know the kind of struggles that I got, church. Y'all know the dirt that I've got. I preached it to you whenever I preach through the Book of Ecclesiastes. Do you know how I live each day? I resist. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we don't look forward to a thousand days. We walk. In the now, church. When sin comes, when temptation comes, we resist. You can resist. Hear me when I tell you this. Hear me when I tell you this, friends. You can resist. The Holy Spirit will empower you to resist. You are not slaves to sin. You are not slaves to sin. You are not slaves to sin anymore. So, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin. Do you hear the language of the text that we're seeing here? As believers, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Do you get how it's put on? You can do this. You can. So don't. Don't present yourselves to sin. You know when these opportunities are presented. You know when you walk face up to it. You know when you're on your phone and you see it. Don't give yourselves over to it. Church, hear me. Hear me. I want this to be a word of encouragement to each and every one of you because I know the battle rages on. Hold to the fact that you are united with Christ. That you shall certainly be raised to life in the resurrection. Hold to that and fight the good fight. Fight the good fight every single day. Fight it. You can now. Your eyes are opened to it now. When you find yourself down on yourself about... The fight, you find yourself growing weary, you know the fight is going on, friends. You have been awakened to it by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a world that does not know. A world that is blind to it. Look out there. Tell me it's not blinded. Tell me it's not abandoned to sin. You are now awakened to it. By the power of the Holy Spirit, do not give yourselves over to it. Resist. It doesn't get more practical than don't. It doesn't get more practical than resist. The the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit will empower you through this. You're dead to sin. You're alive to God in Christ. Let not therefore sin Reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. The most practical takeaway from this that I want you to have as believers is before you thought not and you cared not about the ways of God. You did not. You were so blinded to your own sinfulness that the only concern that you had for your life was to continue on in self pleasing sinfulness. Now you have been awakened to new life by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can now resist sin, and you have, as believers, the opportunity to live for something greater than you and your own pleasures. Do y'all hear me? Is this mic on? do you Do you get that your lives are meant for something greater? do y'all understand what that truly means for us do y'all do y'all get as you go I don't know how many times I can say it before it clicks, but I'll say it until my last breath when you go to work tomorrow or when you go to school in a couple of weeks, when you go to the grocery store and you're doing things that seem mundane, realize, realize this, that Christ is a carpenter nailing nails glory to God. We get the last three years and then a little blip when he's like a teenager or preteen. And you know what the rest of that is filled with? Lives like you live without sin. Without sin. So as you go out into the world, as you go out into whatever job it is that you're going out into this week, know that in what you do, you can do it for the glory of God. And you're called to that. You're called to live to God. That's what the text is telling us here. Present your members not to sin, not to unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God. Like, like look at the text. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. The text there, as I read that, I'm going to read it one more time. Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Live like you're supposed to live. Right? That's what the text is, is saying there. It's like if I were to bring you aside and I'm like, do you not know who you are? Act like it. Act like it. Do you not know how you're supposed to be walking? Live like it. Do you not know that you've been bought with a great price? The highest of price? Do you not know these things, church? Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Verse 14 We're going to sum up. Here's another promise for us. As you are in the midst of the battle, as you may feel yourselves at times enslaved to things that you think, I should have been past this already. I should have been past this already. As you feel like what I'm preaching to you may not be the truth. When you go out this week and you're faced with temptations and you think, I remember Landon saying resist. I remember Landon saying Don't, and you think to yourselves, I don't know that I can. I I want you to rest on these promises. That you are certainly, as a believer, going to be united with Christ in new life. And Christ died, not only for that future day, but the way that you can now live today. The way that you can wake up living tomorrow, right? Follow me here. For sin will have no dominion over you. I want you to let's read that again. For sin will have no dominion over you. Is this a future tense? Is this a future tense in the, in the in the same sense as what we were looking about the resurrection? Let's look. Let's let's finish it out. Since you are not under the law but under grace, so it will not. So tomorrow, future tense, sin will not have dominion over you. As the week progresses on. Sin will not have dominion over you. You live free of sin. Do not bind yourself again to the way of living that you lived before you came to Christ. Do not waste your life in sinful living when you can live differently because the Holy Spirit is empowering you to this. And you say, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you are freed from sin. And he's called you to something greater. He's calling us to lives greater than ourselves. He's calling us to lives that are lived to God for God's glory. Your name will be forgotten. His name will reign forever, church. Live for his name. Knowing that in the midst of battle, sin will have no dominion over you since you are not Under the law, but under grace. I want you to get this, that you are fixed firmly in grace. That you live because of grace. God's grace. Nothing owed to you, nothing worked for by you, nothing ever to be earned by you, given freely to you. The grace of God is where you as a believer stand. Live there, because there is in Christ. Let's pray, and then worship. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the truth of your word. I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would move within uh, your church here, uh, that you would, Lord, solidify these truths in our hearts and our minds, that as we uh, go out, into this world tomorrow that we would resist or that we would not give our bodies over to sin, but instead we would live in the freedom that has been given to us through the work of Christ, that we would live giving our bodies and our lives over to Christ, giving our lives over to the glory of God in all that we do, Lord, in all that we do, in those things that may seem mundane, in those things that may seem to us unimportant, I pray that You would, by Your Holy Spirit, reveal to us how in those things we can live for the glory of God. As I hear my children play and I hear my daughter singing songs to You in play, Lord, I am reminded that in all things, in all things, we can give glory to You. I pray that we would live lives like that. I pray that we would live lives that would honor you. I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in your church, work in your people. Your Holy Spirit would go out from your word that has been preached and it would burst forth from these doors tonight into the world in such a way that it would change the lives that it came in contact with. Lord, let us not be a people who live for just the four walls of this church, but let us be a people who go out. Let us be a people who go out and proclaim the truth. We live... We are alive in Christ. Lord, let us live in such a way that they all know it. It's in Christ's name and for His glory. Amen.